hey, GBLers. Welcome to Get Busy Living, a podcast that brings inspiring people together to discover what ignites them to be bigger than themselves. I'm your host, Anne O'Neill. I know we've all had a bad day or two, but Michael O'Brien's last bad day was a near-fatal bicycling accident. Today, Michael shares how he transformed his life and stopped chasing happiness through an acronym he created called GRACE, meditations called pause, breathe, reflect, and getting back on the bike in a very big way. On June 14th, Michael is taking on a Rise to Ripple Challenge, a 45-day cross-country bicycling trip. Enjoy the inspiring conversation and get ready to join Michael on his journey. It's going to be all about rippling kindness, gratitude, and belonging out into the world. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yeah, no, me too. Like, um, yeah, love what you're doing and like following each other, like on Instagram and stuff like that. So like, really cool. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. You know, I love watching your videos and I wanted to say Gia Witch and Zdravko from Croatia because I wanted to use some other hello names. I love to oh, say hi to people in all the different languages. That's so cool. That's awesome. That's I know awesome. you use a bunch of different ones. Do you mix them up every day? Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, I do my best. Like I have probably some standard ones, but I'm trying to diversify. So, uh, try, we try where we can right to yes, some, yes. Some belonging and some welcoming into the world i think hey i think we all need it right so it's definitely if, if the great kerfuffle taught us anything i think we thirst for belonging and being heard and being seen and appreciated and i think if we can just start there we're gonna do a lot of good in the world. I think that's what's hurting us is that we just don't feel like we belong. Right. Uh, no one hears and sees us. So th then we tend to lash out, right? So. Yes. And, you know, I, that's why I love your energy and your vibe and the positivity you're giving out to the world. And one of the ones that I saw for saying hello that you're very familiar with is Namaste. That's in yeah. Northern India. It, it gets so much, you know, traction with yoga, but it actually means like, hello, it's like a good, yeah. uh, a good energy to send out. It's a good, like aloha, right? Like aloha can be hello. It could be goodbye. You know, it's like namaste it could be hello. It could be yes. goodbye, you know. A lot of people like use it as a goodbye, like namaste as they end a conversation. But yeah, it's sort of like this like peaceful greeting, like good fortune follow you down your journey. And yeah, it's, a, it's like it's a good one. So uh, <laughs> it beats uh, it beats see ya. Yes, yes, it is. It's like, I, yes, I send you along your journey on good vibes. And wow, yeah. we have we have such a journey to talk about with you. And so I want to kick it off, you know. Do you remember, we actually met about eight years ago. I was originally looking at the old MBA from yeah, South yeah, yeah. yeah. And I came across your profile and your yeah. book Shift. And I was like, oh my gosh, what an amazing story. And that's how, you know, I originally started following you and getting to know you and, you know, everything that you've been through, uh, you know, from your know. that day to your journey now. Yeah. So did you end up taking the old MBA? I, I didn't take it yet, but I was like, you know, it spurred me to look at it a little bit further because I love Seth Godin and his quotes and just so many books, you know, he's written for all of our listeners out there. He's one of the best marketers in the world. He's written Purple Cow, Lynchpin, Tribes, which was one of my favorite. Do you have any, you know, things that you've taken away that you still use every day with him? 
I would say, so I do follow him. I, I do get his blog. I think the experience from the alt MBA that I pulled away, it, which is his reframe that he constantly repeats is ship your work, go out. And this is what I love about your podcast is like, mm-hmm. go out, make it happen. It's not going to be perfect on episode one, but you get it out there. You get past that resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about in the, the war of art mm-hmm. and get past that initial, initial sh- surge that holds us back. Yeah. So ship it like Seth will be ship it and ship it and keep on doing it. And you make iterations upon iterations. So I've definitely taken that to heart. The all MBA mm-hmm. forces you in it, in, in a lot of safety, like, cause none of your projects are going public. Mm-hmm. So, but you get used to building that muscle about getting things out there. And I think you get stuff out there. Some things hit the mark. Those that don't, you learn something, which is a victory. And then you try to make it a little bit better next time. I love that. And you also mentioned one of my other favorite authors, Stephen Pressfield. If you guys haven't heard heard about that, um, again, it's The War of Art. And then also he's got uh, Turning Pro, which was one of my favorite books. And he talks a lot about that resistance where you just have to get your rear end in the chair and ship something out. And that's exactly you know why we're sitting here on this podcast is because I wanted to create something and I'm going to say like many of you out there, I always want it to be perfect and pristine and have all the right, you know, lettering and captioning, but you just got to go with it, you know, and we're, that's what we're doing here in conversation. So it's such a good kickoff that we're going to have this conversation and yeah. it's, it's come full circle. It's so awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you're a great person to have on here to be like, life doesn't quite go just as planned. So you kind of, you got to maneuver your way through the GPS and make the turns with it and, and still show up. So let's get everyone introduced to you, Michael. And, you know, do you want to take us back to your last bad day just to kind of get things started? Sure. And I guess I'll underscore like the last bad day is not this uh, toxic positivity stuff that we hear about. Like it's not Mm -hmm. unicorns, rainbows and Skittles. So I'll explain (laughs) why I came up with that label. So back then I was 33, married, two girls, three and a half years old, seven months old at the time married seven years. I thought I was following the script perfectly. Mm -hmm. You you go to college, you work hard, you get a gig, you meet someone, you marry someone, you work your way up the corporate ladder. That's what you do. Yes. They pay you. So it's stressful. So it's all that. (laughs) And that's what, you know, that's what I thought life was. And I thought, okay, if that's what life is, then I'm doing it fairly well. I had a pretty good gig. I was the marketing director for my company's biggest product. And then I had a meeting out in New Mexico, avid cyclists from the very time I came off of training wheels for the very first time. I was like, oh, freedom. I can go places without my parents, even though it was only (laughs) two blocks away. I thought, okay, I I am a, I'm a boy now. Like, uh, you know, I'm at five years old. Right. And so cycling was always this sense of exploration, adventure, fitness, competition. It scratched many itches that I had. Mm. So I was training for a race. So I was coming back into bike racing again after our youngest was born. And I had this beautiful loop at the hotel we were at, a new resort, out the main back, up the main drag, two miles. Mm. Thought I would do 10 laps for 20 miles and be the smug one in the office or at the offsite saying, I went outside and exercised and all you guys did was sleep in and it would be all judgy <laughs> and perfect and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And then on the fourth lap, 
I came around a bend and a Ford Explorer was right there going 40 miles an hour, coming right at me fully in my lane. If folks check out the photos, you can see where the truck stops after it hits me still in my lane. So it was, I was right where you're supposed to be as a cyclist. It was just one of those random acts that maybe wasn't so random. I, you know, like things happen for you, not to you, my belief. Mm -hmm. I remember that morning, the sound of me hitting his front grill, the windshield, the screech of his brakes, the thought I made when they came to asphalt below, that whole impact, of course, knocked me unconscious. I regained consciousness a few minutes later, surrounded by EMTs. I asked the EMTs a question that only another cyclist can truly appreciate. I asked them, how's my bike? And they looked at me and they're like, your bike is fine. For the record, it wasn't fine. And they said, try to breathe. And I knew like, this was not part of the script. Mm. And I kept on thinking like, why is this happening? This can't be happening. I'm like, I'm going to miss the meeting. That, that was one thought I had in my head. And I was like, I'm going to miss the meeting. People oh are going to judge me for missing the meeting. Like, <sighs> oh my God, what are they going to say? So here I am trying to fight for my life, worry about the judginess of other people because I'm not there. Oh, wow. Fast forward a little bit. They put me on the medevac to take me to Albuquerque, which is the only trauma one center in the state. And I made a commitment that if I survived, I would stop chasing happiness because mm. I was a big chasing happiness kind of guy, a little Zig Ziglar. I was like, mm. if I, you do work hard, have your stuff, you can then feel like you're something. So I thought my happiness was in all my external merit badges, the promo, the car, the house, the title, the money. And there was a little happiness in all that, right? So I caught some of that stuff as I worked my career, as I was following the scripts that I thought I had to follow, but you know, they would fly away and I'd go back to chasing and I wasn't really truly happy. And I didn't know as a guy, we're not taught this, how to process our stress, you know, how to deal with our emotions. We can deal with them with a temper. And I certainly had a temper. I had a classic Irish temper, but I used to pack my stress in me, like pushing it down. I like to say I put a whole bunch of rocks in my backpack. Wow. So in a lot of ways, the SUV knocked the stuffing out of me and like blew up my backpack. And they took me to Albuquerque. First surgery saved my life. Doctors told my wife, we're not sure how your husband survived. Had he been 10 years older or not in shape, he certainly would have passed away before he got to the hospital because I lost so much blood. I broke a whole bunch of everything, left femur shattered, that lacerated the femoral artery, four days in the ICU, multiple days in the hospital. When I came out of the ICU, they said, hey, listen, buddy, uh, based on your injuries, you're going to have a life of dependency, limitations. You're probably going to walk with struggle, probably never going to ride again. And this whole idea of not chasing happiness wasn't a problem because I couldn't even spell happiness. Right. Oh, my gosh. And I went dark pretty quickly. I was angry. I was still trying to put on a good front, like, okay, this is happy, but deep down inside. <laughs> and it was like brutal. I was, yeah. I was like, why did this happen to me? I was, I was following the script. I was doing everything right. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And then eventually a mentor shared with me, he said, Hey, listen, everything in your life is neutral until you label it. You get to decide the label. Right now, you're labeling yourself as a victim. You have every right to. Something horrific happened to you. But I'm letting you know that you get to choose your label. This is happening for you, not to you. 
in essence, he's like, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. And you right now you're giving meaning to this. And I just want to help you see that maybe there's a different meaning. And then through a little bit of aha, I was like, okay, well, I can label that day any way I want. So I decided to label that day my last bad day because part of my recovery was mindfulness. Also part of my recovery was a gratitude practice. And so I knew this, that I was gonna have bad moments going forward, we all do. But if I had my wife and my daughters in my life, I couldn't label a full day as a bad one. Mm. So I'm not gonna like throw out a whole day. And how, how many people we know take a bad moment and they just add fuel to it and becomes a bad day or even longer. And I made a commitment that I was going to try to live my life dealing with my bad moments, my challenging moments, my angry moments, but I wasn't going to like let it ruin a whole day because I still had people who loved me. I still had a foundation to tap into. And so that became my last bad day story. And then from there, it was just a struggle to get out of the hospital, back on my feet, eventually back on the bike and trying to live more mindfully. Oh, oh my gosh. This whole time, I've just been shaking my head at the depths of your story and your journey and the trauma and the tragedy, but also the light that you found within this, you know, to be able to transform that day and that moment into something that's been more positive and full of gratitude for you. I mean, it's just really, really incredible. And as listeners are listening to this story, you know, how did that work for you that someone can take away in their own story that to really transform maybe a bad moment or a bad experience into, you know, something that is positive? You know, I really loved that thing about, you know, that nothing's good or bad unless you label it. So how, how can our listeners kind of take that away and in, into their own life? Well, one of the things that I did being a corporate world, I love a good acronym. <laughs> I came up with this acronym called GRACE. Because I, I was trying to like, how can I be, how can I be as graceful as possible through my recovery? Because my recovery was messy, multiple surgeries. It wasn't linear. It was a mess mm. most days. A, a lot of issues, a lot of complications. But I was like, well, how can I be graceful? And I think right now, given moment 2022, we could use a little bit more grace. Mm -hmm. You know, grace to ourselves, grace with each other, find a way through this. So grace for me stands for gratitude, reframing, the R is reframe, A is awareness, the C is community, the E is energy and how well we're aligned. <sighs> so having gratitude practice was fundamental, helped me see what I still had and could do versus focusing on all the crappy stuff in my life. The reframing was, is this happening to you or for you? Mm. Um, how are other people looking at this? How to see things maybe through a beginner's mind? The awareness piece speaks to my mindfulness practice that I developed. The C in community, like who's in your Peloton, who are you riding with? Mm -hmm. We need others, like together we go far, like we need others in our lives. I'm here telling my story, but my story is a collection of so many other people contributing to my story. And then energy, like we're all energy. We all have a vibe. Mm -hmm. When we have alignment, life's easier. When we're misaligned, like driving a car that's misaligned, life's tougher. Mm -hmm. So how do we put all that together and sort of gracefully move forward? So for me, it's about, yeah, just the elements of grace to help shift our perspective, you know, so we can, we can hold space for 
the tough stuff. It's not to deny our feelings. Mm -hmm. So feel what we need to feel. We can hold sorrow or hurt, but at the same time, we can be grateful for what we have. Like humans can do that. Mm -hmm. And so I try to create this openness and this spaciousness. And that's one of the recommendations I would have for your listeners is try to create more openness and not live so binary of like good, bad, right, wrong, that we can hold space for a lot of different things that we're feeling at any given moment. Oh, I I love that without defining things as good or bad, right or wrong, you're really creating the space of how do I want to look at this and change the optics. In, and when you said about chasing happiness, I know so many can relate. I can relate to, you know, we go through life and checking the boxes like I got that degree. I've got this job, so much money, my 401k. You know, how did those optics change when, again, you, you kind of lost the labels and you were really kind of recreating your entire outlook on life. Yeah, it's such a good question, Anne, because I still I still was pursuing those things, <laughs> but from a different place. Mm. So in the beginning, before my accident, I pursued those things from a point of view that I was less than, that I had to do more to be more. I wasn't full. I wasn't complete. I was lacking in something. And the voice in our head that we all have that we don't yeah. talk about, like I'm too much or too little or something. So I'm still like, I'm an athlete. I'm an executive. I wouldn't call myself a type A personality, but I would, I de definitely like to achieve things like to get after things and, yes. and make a difference, whether it's trying to role model for other people. So to see what maybe that's within them or getting to a certain level in the company so I could have influence and shape the work experience. So I still pursued those, but it was from a place that was completely different than how it was before the accident. It was from a place of like, I'm full, I'm like, I'm complete, I'm not done yet, but I, but I, I come from a, a little bit more of a peaceful, grounded, stable position of going after it, which then changes your vibe and changes your energy in that pursuit. So I didn't need that to define me. I used it to say, I want to reach for these things as a way to accomplish something on this bigger pathway to have hopefully more influence so we can shape how we work together and also shape how we live together. So I, so I still pursued it, but I wasn't like chasing it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was letting it unfold, you know, back to grace, allowing it to unfold with grace. You know, this as an athlete, when we clench onto the outcome we want, we play tense. Yes. Right. So we we want that championship. We, we March Madness. We we want it. <laughs> and if we grip it so tightly, sometimes we play not with flow. Like every athlete knows this that when you're performing at a high level, the game just slows down. Yes. You yeah. allow the play to unfold. You allow it to breathe. You don't try to rush it. And what I see today is a lot of people have bought into the hustle and grind culture mm -hmm. and grabbing onto their attachment and trying to control it all. And they're playing tense and then they're reacting and they wonder why they keep on, well, you know, dribbling the ball out of bounds, if you will, <laughs> to play off the basketball analogy. Uh -huh. But when we can ease our grip a bit, we can still have a goal, but we ease our grip on the outcome and let the play unfold. We can slow down a bit. And when we slow down, the game actually goes more smoothly for us or even faster. And that was probably one of the big things I learned coming out of my recovery is that I could slow down as a way to go faster mm -hmm. and approach my goals 
from a much healthier perspective than feeling like I wasn't enough. And that's why I had to get it done so I could be recognized. Oh, Michael, that was so good. I, again, shaking my head, it was, it was just really profound because when you said that about, you know, comparing it to athletics and you have that grip on life or that you think you are, it's almost an inauthentic grip because you think you're missing something when the inner work is really, you have everything you need. And then that space opens up, it creates bigger space. And one of the places I'd like to get into is, you know, your meditation and mindfulness work. I found that, you know, speaking of basketball, that when I would go and shoot, my brain would shut off and I was so much more creative and in my body and in the space of just shooting. It was like, I I talk about ontology quite a bit because it's the study of being and just who you are at that time. Like you can't say, you can't really describe Lady Gaga, but you can see who she's being at that time, you know, kind of another different singing analogy. And since my time playing basketball, I found that through meditation and it, you know, whether it's a walking meditation or a sitting meditation and the biggest piece of it is the breath work I found because it's disrupting that autonomic nervous system, you know, focusing on your breath and focusing on your heartbeat. It actually stops all those thoughts. And then again, when you stop that, you actually have space to create. And I know for me, that's been a huge practice where I felt more in my body and more aligned, like you mentioned, into the work I want to create, like this podcast. So let's talk about the awesome pause, breathe, reflect. And I also loved how you called it. Uh, it's PBR time. So for any of you that like beer out there, Michael is extremely funny and he calls it PBRs. So we'll get into that. But really how that has you know been part of your daily practice, you're teaching it to different executives and, and what, you know, again, the listeners can take away from breath work and meditation because sometimes it gets lost like woo woo, but it actually really kind of centers you quite a bit. So I'd love to hear your take on, on pause, breathe, reflect. So true. I'm glad you asked this question. So breath work is key. I, I, I call it, there's one thing that we all have on our Swiss army knife. I like to talk about Swiss army knife analogies as opposed to a toolbox. Okay. Okay. Carrying a toolbox around is a little heavy, right? So we, we all can carry a Swiss army knife with us in our back pocket and our breath is essential. So when we think about what we can do to sort of regulate the body, we know our breath works. How many times have we told other people like slow down, take a deep Mm -hmm. breath. Uh, We've told our kids, if we have kids, friends, uh, we see it in sports before a big shot or a big routine. Yes. Athletes slowing down and coming back to her breath, his breath. So the breath is this wonderful tool. I think it really has a bad PR firm because, yeah, in some circles, it got a little like misty and right, woo-woo right. and mm-hmm. too spiritual. Certainly meditation comes from Buddhist underpinnings. But it's been brought here to the West, and it has so many wonderful health benefits. I'm a qualified teacher in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is also part of Brown University's medical center, used to be part of UMass. Mm. So you think about like what mindfulness can do in terms of lowering blood pressure, dealing with pain, and a whole host of medical conditions that we traditionally treat in the West with surgery or medication. Mm-hmm. So for me, back in the day, coming through my recovery, I started my mindfulness meditation practice when I was in the hospital. I knew enough back then. I had an aha. And I was like, okay, Michael, you got to heal your mind in order to heal your body. So 
It was my Joe Dispenza moment before we knew Joe Dispenza. Yes. Yes. Wait, did you know him way before? I had no idea who he was. And then I found him on my journey. I'm like, oh, wow. His story is sort of similar to my story. He has obviously scientific degrees Mm -hmm. and access to research that I didn't have. But the whole concept of I knew I had to heal my mind to heal my body. And I had to come back to my breath. So as an athlete, I knew my breath was important. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know anything about this whole mindfulness thing. So set the stage. It's 2001. There's no TED Talks. There's no LinkedIn. There's no Facebook. There's no TikTok. There's none of this stuff. Uh-huh. So, how, you know, which is a really interesting thought. Like, how did we learn back then? You know, like, <laughs> like I guess it was books. But I, I didn't. I actually thought it was a little like. Mm, like chakras and crystals and stuff like I like uh, nine to that. So I did it very quietly. I just wheeled myself to a quiet place in the hospital, which is tough to find. And I just came to back to my breath. I just dropped in and it felt good. It helped clear my mind in a way to set my intentions for the day. And then I came back the next day and then the next day. And so it <laughs> made iterations. So my belief with pause, breathe, reflect is that frequency matters. And so we might sit for 20 minutes in the beginning of the day, might have a yoga practice, but throughout the day, we should take intervals to pause, breathe, reflect. So that's why I do five minute meditations there, because we all know people that sort of live a mindful Mm -hmm. lifestyle. You know, they got the, they they got their Lulu lemons rocking. (laughs) They got all that stuff. They got the yoga mat, they got the candles, they practice for 20 minutes in the morning, and then all heck breaks loose during the course of the day. So my feeling is like, check in with yourself throughout the day, and just come back to your breath, again, regulate, set your intentions, live a purposeful life, that's going to allow you when you have a bad moment, not to give it any more fuel than it deserves. So we can prevent those bad moments from turning into a bad day or longer. I love that. It's so great. And it's so true because as your day goes along, you know, you start bumping into more of just regular life, like meetings or a phone call or how many likes did I get on that post? And then when you sink back into that breath and just take a couple of moments, like Michael's saying, it really does get you more conscious of what's really important and how to align, you know, your future self. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Michael, I've been to a couple of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's workshops, like the advanced week longs. Oh, cool. Have you done any of those yet yeah no i haven't i've done like i've done a lot of like uh silent retreats Mm. for meditation so i followed joe's work via online but i've never been to one of his programs it's definitely one thing i have on my bucket list so i'll probably get to that once maybe get into next year after i complete my big okay okay i can't recommend it highly enough i It has transformed my life again, because I found something that was similar to what I felt when I would, again, go shoot baskets, where I just was in the space of creativity, positivity, you know, just an open, like, creation of what I really want to do for the future and not all these thoughts just bombarding me. And like you mentioned, you heard about the universities, there is research and science backed for taking the time just to focus on your breath work and, you know, talk a lot about gratitude when you're in those moments. So even those couple of minutes that Michael's talking about are so important and you can go to pausebreathereflect.com. There's a bunch of different information and awesome, awesome gear. Michael even has one behind him. And I ordered one uh, earlier this week. I know. I saw that. Really cool. I love the Ripple Kindness one. It's like, and 
the one thing you'll see this and when you get it there's a message inside the oh, shirt. Oh, wow. I love that. Oh, I love it so much. On the inner yeah. work, this couldn't have been a better conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the big message is, and I ship every shirt inside out. So people see the message, but the overall message is what's inside the shirt is what matters most. And so when you wear the shirt, you're inside oh my the shirt. gosh I'm I love that I that is the, oh that is so cool okay I will be taking pictures so you guys will see it everyone will see it and oh. that is I mean this is the kind of person that Michael is I mean think of again that last bad day when you're on the stretcher and have so many broken bones and not a lot of hope and what you can create from that and the impact you can have. And again, the shirt that I bought is called, it has ripple kindness on the front, which is you know part of the messaging. It's part of the community. And you know, just real quick, you went over it and then I'd love to get into the rise to ripple challenge, which that word comes up again, but briefly share again, what a Peloton is because everyone's familiar with the bike, the Peloton, but I loved learning the definition when I looked it up, but I'd love for the listeners to hear it from you and what it meant to you kind of um, through your recovery. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So there, a lot of times people were like, oh, Peloton, I know Peloton. And it's like the bike. And it's like, well, they, they use the word, but the word, the origin of the word comes from cycling. It's a French word. And it means a group of cyclists mm-hmm. in a bike race so think the tour de france so they're going through the french countryside and there's sunflowers and soft cheese <laughs> and you know yes, a, yeah. a, a burgundy and all that <laughs> stuff like that and so that group of cyclists is called the peloton and here's the really cool thing it's sort of like this moving squad where they need each other like they have to communicate with each other they're all in different teams but they're working together that's a really cool thing about it it's like they're all on competing teams, but they're pointing out like potholes in the road or road traffic. They're sharing the load. They're communicating with each other. Uh, some people are up in front blocking the wind. Other people are drafting where it's easier and then they rotate. So when I was in the hospital, we had one moment where I was really struggling and my physician team were making rounds. So they had all the interns and the fellows. So there were about 15 people in my hospital bed asking me a bunch of questions, poking at me, pinching me, the whole thing. And when they left my hospital room, I went to my wife. I go, they're like my medical Peloton. They're helping me get down the road as Mm. fast as possible. And I was like, oh, that's a good name for a company. (laughs) And eventually, you know, I started my own business. Peloton Spin Bikes took the word Peloton to basically mean a virtual group of cyclists riding Mm -hmm. because that's what they do. But this whole concept of Peloton and I think a Peloton should be diverse and it should be made up of people who bring out the best in you. Like, who are you riding with in life? And I think that's a really important question to ask. Like, who do you have around you? Because if you're riding with, you know, experienced people who are looking out for your better good, it's a really nice bike ride. But if you have some people that are not so good or don't ride so well, it can be a really tense, stressful ride. So this whole concept of like, hey, you know, it's it's sort of my way of talking about squad or team is like, who's in your Peloton? Like, who are you riding with in life? And let's be really smart about that, because that's going to dictate how far you go, how fast you go. And ultimately, where do you go in life? What a cool takeaway even there about Peloton. And, you know, one of the quotes I always keep very close to me is like, you are the company you keep, which is very similar of those surrounding folks are the ones kind of helping, taking you on journeys, experiences, and 
also, you know, opening your eyes to new adventures and new ways to look at things. So I already consider you a part of my Peloton. So <laughs> well, likewise, Anne. Yeah, no, yeah, we're riding together, even though, you know, and that's the really cool thing about it. It's like, yeah, you, you surround yourself with hopefully like-hearted people. Often we like, well, it's like-minded. And I actually want to surround myself with people that may not think the mm -hmm. way I think, but are coming from a warm-hearted, heart-minded kind of position of like putting goodness out into the world, rippling love, rippling kindness and compassion. So that like-heartedness to me is important, but you can still see the world differently. And so, but once we're grounded in a heart-centric way of looking at life, then we can have different thoughts. They can challenge our thinking or challenge our beliefs. And we can also challenge them. And hopefully we see the world a little bit more openly. Right on. And that's how, that's the only way we grow, right? Is when we, once you have that connection and you're both grounded in the rippling kindness, rippling gratitude, grace, and growing, you know, those different uh, ideas and perspectives really help everyone grow as a community and as a Peloton. So I love that like heartedness, everyone. And talking about rippling, let's get into this amazing challenge that everyone can follow you on because I will have the podcast out or episode out, which is why I wanted to make sure we got in at the end of May before you start off on this coast to coast challenge. So let's hear about it. Yeah. So I'm calling it the rise to ripple because rise speaks to resilience. Like you get knocked down, like I've gotten knocked down and you and the listeners have. So you got to rise up. The two is about a bridge to somewhere. I think we've gone through this whole great kerfuffle as I like mm -hmm. to call the pandemic. I think it's a bridge to hopefully some somewhere yes. better for all of us. I know it feels a little wonky right now. You know, we, we, have, we might be fearful of heights as we cross this bridge, but we can cross this bridge. And the ripple really speaks to just energy. Like, what do we want to put out there? And when we show up with goodness, we ripple goodness, we ripple kindness. If we show up with hatred or divisiveness, we also ripple that. So what do we choose to ripple? And it's a ride across the country using the Transamerica bike trail, 4,300 miles, 43 it's just days. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, my wife's driving the RV. We'll have our two dogs with us. And it is a celebration of life, to be honest. It's the 21st anniversary of my accident, but it's also a ride to like ripple gratitude to the people that helped shape me into the person I am today. It's about generosity. We're going to profile a nonprofit charity each mm. day, but it's also about the benefits of like mindfulness. I'm going to do it plant-based. So about, you know, how do we eat maybe a little bit differently and I'm also doing a, a freshly minted total knee replacement, <laughs> which I got. Yeah, last so you have year. to talk about that. You've been like rehab yeah, so, while also preparing for this. <laughs> yeah, so it, my surgeon, I think my surgeon thinks I'm a little crazy, but he said, I think he's really <laughs> pumped. But, you know, they predicted I was going to need both knees replaced five years after my initial trauma, which would have put it at 2006. Mm -hmm. My right one's doing great. My left one after 20 years was like, yeah, we're getting tired. So we got the knee replaced last year. And now I'm going to do this ride on a total knee replacement. And, and I really hope to show people what's possible when you live life mindfully and with community and having good people in your Peloton. We're doing it aggressively. It's about 100 miles a day. 
We're going to be gone for 45 days, so June 14th to July 31st, two rest days, averaging 100 miles a day. Some days are longer, some days are shorter. But what I hope to do is share the country with people. I I think we live in a beautiful country uh, with beautiful geography and beautiful people. So I didn't want to sit back and just, you know, complain about what was happening. That's not my story, right? That's not how you move from your last bad day into something better. So I was like, okay, we're going to bring the bike and we're going to do this whole country thing and hopefully document what's wonderful, albeit perfectly imperfect about our country so we can create a better Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And that's what the ride's about. It's going to be tough. It's going to be epic. And I hope a whole bunch of people will follow along. Uh, everyone, yeah, so people are going to follow along. I mean, let's let's chat first right there. Where do you want people to follow? YouTube, Instagram, where can they follow this amazing journey? So the two best places would be Clubhouse, because I'm going to do like a morning little meditation. Shout out about the charity, little dance party, little commentary. That's an audio only social app. And then on Instagram, I'm going to finish up the day and go Instagram live on my two channels, which you can put in the show notes, uh, pause, breathe, reflect and Michael O'Brien shift. What I'm also doing where this is really cool. I'm also doing a ripple challenge. So I'm calling it, I can do hard things, ripple challenge. So folks can sign up and declare a hard thing that they want to accomplish while I'm riding. So my hard thing is to ride across the country. For some other people, it might be running a 10K or maybe giving up alcohol or working on their relationships or getting fit or losing you know, a few pounds. So we're gonna have this wonderful challenge of basic ripples to do, but declaring like in the next six weeks, I'm gonna try to tackle something that's hard. And we're gonna do it as a whole community there is an energy when you are aligned with those things that you want to be doing and those people that help support you. It, it does already create a ripple just by showing up. And that's something you, you mentioned about the tiny steps. And I know for sure in my basketball career and, you know, starting this podcast and, and even in, in life, it's showing up in those small moments each day, you know, those five minute increments that we talk about, you know, even the pause, breathe, reflect moments, it, it life happens in little small decisions and small alignments. And the closer you can kind of move to that energy, the better off you're going to be and the happier you're going to be. And that vibration will be bigger. So, so let's talk about uh, what's next. We have the, you know, the part that I really get excited about, which is all of this podcast, but we also have the, the giving back piece, which you said you're going to talk a bunch of different ones while you're on the rise to ripple challenge. But one you mentioned to me was the world bicycle relief. So let's get into that. Cause I, you know, did a little bit of research and wow, this is, this is a tremendous organization just to give you a, a brief backing. The world bicycle relief empowers people and communities through life-changing bicycles. They are committed to helping people conquer the challenge of distance and achieve independence and thrive. And just so you know, a lot of these really well-built bikes, uh, you know, work in Africa, Indonesia, throughout South America, and really helping people, you know, overcome economic situations, gender inequality, and even some healthcare situations. So that's the World Bicycle Relief. How did you hear about this through all of your years as a cyclist and, and kind of become affiliated with it? Yeah, so World Bicycle Relief, I think, does amazing work, right? So as you mentioned in that description, Anne, 
they really help conquer the challenge of distance, something we take for granted here in the States, like we could just get mm -hmm. in our car and go. But in countries in Africa and other places around the world, you know, sometimes it's like a 10 kilometer mm -hmm. hike, you know, through just jungle, water. right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, just to get water or to go to school, like, and legit jungle. It's not like the city jungle, like you're, they're not walking past the 7-Eleven, <laughs> they're walking past lions mm -hmm. and tigers and bears, right? So it's such an awesome organization. I found out about them years ago, a like a sponsored ride from a bike manufacturer. They brought WBR in to talk mm -hmm. about their mission. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Because to them, the bicycle gives people freedom and they mainly cater to mm -hmm. women and girls. And so for me, as I mentioned earlier, the bike to me when I came off of training wheels was a yes. sense of freedom a place where I could go anywhere. Like the challenge of distance where I needed my mom to drive me everywhere was somewhat minimized. And hey, we take it for granted. We take our mobility for granted here in the States. I know I did before my accident and then you lose your mobility and then you would trade almost anything to get it back. So what they do is they go into rural villages and they give women and girls oh. mobility to stay in school longer. When they stay in school longer, they marry later. They have smaller families, but they have more independence. Uh, they use the bike to help mobilize people so you can get to healthcare, right? So, which is something we all need. Um, it also helps people get to the market. So this wonderful bicycle that they call a Buffalo bike helps bring it, well, it helps bring us all together, right? Conquers the challenge of distance, enhances mobility and makes the world better through just a simple bicycle. And so all the proceeds of my memoir go to them. They're the first charity I'm going to talk up on day one of the ride. As you mentioned, I'm going to talk about 45 different <laughs> charities, mm -hmm. one each day, but we're going to lead with WBR because their mission around mobility and freedom just speaks to my journey with the bicycle and I want to share it with whoever happens to be listening. <laughs> oh, wow. I absolutely, I love that with the, and he mentioned the Buffalo bike and it's, it can go across rugged terrain. So not just, you know, uh, a regular street bike here, this is really heavy duty. Even one of the pictures on the website had a mom with three kids being able to be on the back and be able to ride. And there, they have programs for $25 per month that you can sponsor. And this entire your bike is actually only $165. And again, I'm talking really heavy duty to be able to help people cover distance for healthcare. If you can imagine for people who don't have transportation, what that actually looks like to, you know, be able to move from place to place and also have that amazing freedom that the bicycle provides. So again, that's world bicycle relief. Yeah. Awesome. man. I really appreciate it. Like, I love the format of your show. And just that aspect of generosity and how you profile like a nonprofit, like it's so cool. The folks that work at nonprofits and do charitable work are making the world a better place. And we can, again, it doesn't have to be money. It could just be rolling up our sleeves and volunteering our time. It could just be sharing things on social. 
anything to make the ripple go a little bit further, a little bit farther, I think is a good thing to do. You know, you just made such a great point that it doesn't even have to be the money piece to it, but sharing your awareness about the work that people are doing is so big. And that's why, you know, I did create this podcast. I, I love talking to people and hearing their stories, but there is a shift in people when they show up and they are able to talk about something that's bigger than themselves, like bringing on a charity community events or nonprofit there is a light that lights up because it is bigger than them. And that's exactly, you know, why I wanted to have you on, Michael, because everything that you're about is about rippling bigger, creating positivity, community, and gratitude out there. And I just want to say thank you so much. I know this will be a tremendous and impactful episode and people hearing your story and being able to follow the Rise to Ripple Challenge. Well, thanks for having me on, Anne, and uh, thanks for all the listeners. I hope you got a pearl or two out of it. And yeah, please follow along. I hope to inspire you to do your, you know, one big hard thing this summer. And hopefully together we can put out a good ripple out into the world and, you know, create something a little bit better than what we have today. So again, and thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm so psyched to be on and Thanks again for sharing my story. We'll finish how we started. I will say namaste. Thank you so much. And in peace on your journey, especially this amazing journey that you're going to be going on this summer. Cool. Namaste. Namaste. Well, thank you so much for listening to our conversation. If you have a GBL story in your life, share it with me on Instagram at getbusyliving underscore pod. I might just share your story on a future episode. Thank you for sharing in the good vibes and giving back and GBLing with us. 